0: sermon text today is out of uh, the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 30. It says, uh, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you, to, for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven, so that you have to ask who will ascend to heaven to get it and proclaim it to us, so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us, so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth, is in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, uh, keep his commands, his decrees, and his laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give, you, give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of God. You may be seated.
1: There are portions of scripture. <laughs> I guess this should be true with every um, portion of scripture. But you read them, and you just... As a preacher, I feel like I don't even want to say anything. I just want the text to do its job in our hearts. Um, Before we get into expounding on this very important passage for our lives personally as Christians, um, if you don't know Jesus, how important this passage is to you Um, as a church, it's important. But before we get into this, I just wanted to um, just celebrate with... uh, um, Dave Railsford. it is his 60th. Would you join me <coughs> in prayer um, just for our people and as we hear God's Word together? Dear Heavenly Father, um, we first want to approach you um, to give you great praise and we thank you Lord that you um, speak to us and that you very simply lay out your Word to us and we have a choice to make. And this morning I pray Lord that we would choose life, um, that we would choose your word and your will over our own that we would believe you over the many competing messages around us and even the competing message of our own heart god that we would follow you and trust you god i pray lord that you would bless those um, sick and suffering or dealing with loved ones um, that are sick and suffering like stacy matrone i just want to ask that you would bless her life um, bless her mom i pray god that if it be your will that you would heal her And, God, that you would give her comfort and that she would know Jesus. God, that you would bless Stacy and her family, as I think they're in Westerly right now, just caring for her. Um, We just ask that you bless them, and even in the midst of not being able to see them (laughs) um, the way that they would like to um, because of the coronavirus, I just pray, Lord, that they would be able to um, experience just love and affection between family members uh, during this difficult time. And God, as we turn now uh, our hearts and our minds to your word, I pray, God, that you would um, just make us sensitive. And if we have hard hearts, that you'd break them. That we would listen to you and not to ourselves. That we would surrender what we want for what you want. God, we love you um, so much and thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in the Old Testament today. So Deuteronomy is the fifth book um, of the Old Testament. I hope that um, you're able to find it, on, um, maybe go home, reflect on it, meditate on it. Um, but um, Deuteronomy basically means um, a, like a retelling of the law. So if, when you read the whole book of Deuteronomy, it's sort of reminding Israel of what God had spoken to them through Moses on Mount Sinai, in particular in Exodus and Leviticus and whatnot. Um, God had given, uh, made a promise to Israel to save them. He gave them the law. Um, and then in Deuteronomy... Um, like dual, right, too. So it's the second giving or reminding or repe- repeating of the law um, that God gave to Israel uh, on Mount Sinai. <clears throat> our, our vision is something that we've been trying to remind you of um, um, because it's we believe it's the reason that, that our church is here in Warren, Rhode Island. <laughs> I personally believe it's the reason every church, Christian church should be where it is. Um, but our church and neighbors, um, our vision right uh, right now as we, as we understand it is that our church and our neighbors would know Jesus and find real life. So in other words, we want you to live the life that God has created you for in relationship with him, right? But we also want people that don't know him yet to experience that same reality. And there are so many things that I think rob us of having a rich and full life. Uh, we oftentimes seek uh, our own greatness and our vocational goals um, and we, we think that maybe there we'll find our meaning and purpose and value, and uh, oftentimes we're just left with more confusion and disappointment. A lot of times we seek um, the pleasure um, of a multitude of beds with unknown partners, um, and then we're left with a, a sense of deep loneliness and dissatisfaction. Or perhaps a, a new love relationship, a romance, but it's that, that tends to be like a leaky cup too, doesn't really... Fill the void that is in us. So where's life? We look all around to find it, and some things seem to work from time to time, but we're sort of left a little bit empty. 1 John chapter 1, in chapter 1, verse 1 and following, reads like this. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our eyes. We touched him with our hands. He is the word of life. He is life itself. Can it be more clear, friends? He is life itself, revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is life, eternal life. He he was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that your joy might be full. You have full joy, a full cup of joy. So that's what we're after. But the one who is life is the only one who can grant that life. So this morning, I want to introduce a new sermon series that we're calling Choose Life. And we're going to systematically work through the first letter that the Apostle John writes to the church, 1 John. Um, And we're doing that because he's very much interested in people, specifically the church, experiencing a rich, full, and satisfying life in Jesus Christ and everything that that means. But before we go there, you noticed I didn't read First John. <laughs> I want to introduce this sermon series with a book from the Old Testament that we just reminded you of. It's called Deuteronomy. I want to r- rewind time this morning, 1,500 years before John started writing to the church. <clears throat> he wasn't even a twinkle in his mother's eye yet. And, and another author had very similar things another leader, another godly man, was giving some very similar instructions. Actually, the words that we read this morning from Deuteronomy were basically the last words of a dying man. He was perhaps the greatest leader in human history, and I'm not exaggerating, exaggerating when I say that, and if you know who wrote this passage in Deuteronomy 30, you'll know that it was Moses. And just consider Moses. I I, I wanted to do this this morning because sometimes we can really forget who's speaking in a particular passage of Scripture. So I want you to consider who this person is that's giving us this instruction. First of all, as a baby, he was rescued by an Egyptian princess from imminent slaughter. The princess that rescued him was the daughter of the one that vowed to slaughter him. Isn't that irony? So she set him in a basket um, down a river and was, um, his mother set him in a basket down a river and, and as providence, the providence of God would have it, she was rescued by the same family. He was rescued by the same family that vowed to destroy him. So he was raised by Egyptian royalty in the most powerful family and country on earth at the time and that was Egypt the richest, wealthiest, most powerful family on earth, Moses just happened to stumble across in the river. So he was educated in the best schools. He rose to the height of power in this same great kingdom. Um, He fled for his life as he murdered somebody. He was in the wilderness, and and in that wilderness, he was confronted by God by a burning bush, at a burning bush, a bush that was on fire but was not consumed. And God, through that bush that day, told Moses to rescue um, Israel from slavery in the same country that he had just fled from, that very same superpower that he was adopted into. So he listens to God, he returns to Egypt, and he unleashes the supernatural power of God in various plagues until Pharaoh finally let my people go, right? So, they, he let, so Pharaoh lets him go, and millions of people follow Moses through an arid, dusty desert to the Promised Land. So he leads millions of complaining ex-slaves to freedom through the wilderness for 40 years. Parting Red Seas, ordering food to fall from the sky and to grow off rocks, smashing other dried-up, dusty rocks so that water would gush forth so that Israel might have something to drink. The power of God was at his fingertips. He continually had to resist coups um, from the nation of Israel that wanted to usurp his authority. He was constantly met on the other end of complaints, threats, idolatrous rebellion, Of his own people and marvelously and miraculously on another mountain he met with Yahweh on Mount Sinai and received the law the covenant of God the Ten Commandments and which by the way this is a little trivia for you the first written down part of the Bible was presented to Israel in this form from Moses God had spoken audibly to Israel for millennium, but the actual first written part that they would have understood to be the words of God written down were delivered by Moses himself. <clears throat> Those were the Ten Commandments. He met with Yahweh face to face, so much so that when he would appear to Israel, his face would glow with the glory of God, and he would need to veil that face. That's Moses. Moses is the man, Right? And what we read this morning is his final plea, his last words to Israel, the nation that he faithfully led for 40 years, that he gave up his life for. And he tells them simply this very easy. Choose life. They had a choice to make. To choose God's will or their own. Choose life or choose death. And friends, I want to repeat to you this morning that we have to make the same decision and we have to think about the same thing with each and every day that passes by. What will we choose? Will we choose the Lord and his will? Will we choose life or will we, ch- will we choose our own? Will we choose death? We have that choice to make. Now I'm not talking about salvation, so some of you acute theological scholars in the room, I'm not saying that we earn our salvation. But our fellowship with God depends on our abiding in him. And that is our choice to make as Christians. Life or death, God or this world, my will or his. His word or mine. There is only one way to life in your life personally and in this church. And that is to hear God and to follow what he says. And to not take it in our own hands to do what we want Moses tells us three things about life, and this is fabulous, and it will transform your life if you only hear it and believe it. He tells us three things about life that I hope that this morning will really revolutionize your spiritual life and challenge you to know the love of God, to, to receive what he offers to you this morning, to choose life. The first thing that he says about this choice of life is that it is not out of reach. Did you notice this in verses 11 through 14? I want to read it again just to remind you, okay? I am commanding you today, what what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you. It is not beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend there to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you would have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it so that we might obey it. No, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you might obey it. The word is near. Friends, this is both encouraging and challenging at the same time. It's challenging because it leaves nobody with any excuse. It leaves us without excuse. Nobody here could claim, I I didn't know. It was too hard. It was too confusing. God has brought us the way of life. He, He came down and met with Moses at a bush and at a mountain, and he sent his son Jesus Christ to take on flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word comes to you. You don't go to it. That's, God, that's our God. Isn't that amazing? That God doesn't wake, wait for us to journey to him because the journey is too difficult. It's too long. We can't ascend to heaven. We can't cross that sea. So he comes to us for us, and he speaks to us. Isn't that good news? It's not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask um, who will ascend there or beyond the sea so that you will have to say who will cross that sea. The word is near you. We cannot claim that we were never told because God has brought to us the way of life. He has spoken it to us with his lips, his holy word and promise of life. They're right on your front doorstep this moment. It's not hidden in heaven. It's not so mysterious or so complicated that you need some kind of PhD to understand it. It's not so far across some vast ocean that it's impossible for us to pass through friends salvation life is right here it's causing your eardrums to vibrate in your head right now Jesus is life it's not your wife it's not your job it's not sin Jesus is life The death and resurrection of Jesus promises eternal life, a satisfying, rich, full life. It doesn't mean that we'll we'll get everything we want, that we won't have problems, and that we won't suffer. Actually, the Bible says that in this life, we will have many trials, but the reality, we will have a rich, full, deep, abiding joy, like John promised, because we'll have life, and that life is Christ. Jesus, and only Jesus, is the beginning one, the creator, the savior, He is life. So that message is not out of reach. It's not too difficult or complicated to understand, but it requires a choice. Am I going to choose him or am I going to choose me? Each and every one of us has the responsibility to act on what we've heard, to choose life or to choose death. So that message has been delivered to you It's been delivered to me, and each and every day I have to answer the question, what will I choose? You know what Paul says in Romans 10? He says, oh, that's for the Old Testament. That's for Israel. That doesn't apply. All right, okay, big shot. Romans chapter 10. The righteousness that is by faith says this. This is Paul in the New Testament. The righteousness that is by faith says this. Do not say it in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? What's he quoting? Deuteronomy chapter 30, he's quoting Moses. The righteousness that comes to us, the life that comes to us by faith in Christ, is near. He says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is... The message concerning faith that we proclaim, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll have life. It's not necessary for us to make this pilgrimage, this journey to Mecca to find our soul. We don't need to go on a vision quest, right? Because Jesus did that for us. Jesus is the one that came down from heaven and told us with his words and with his blood it's not necessary for you to wait for someone this is again romans 10 we don't have to wait for someone to rise from the dead to tell us the secret mysteries of life do you know why because jesus did that already that's what it says or who will descend into this deep that is to bring christ up from the dead for 1500 years israel had the answer They had the word and the promise of God that the just will live by faith alone and the promise that he gives. And that message is the same today as it was then. And friends, you can have the life that you've always dreamed of and wanted when you simply call on the name of the Lord, when you choose life over death, when you choose him over you. Amen? that message is not out of reach it's right there it's right in front of your face it's simple but you got to reach out you got to grab it you got to say not my will thy will be done it's right there you know the is the the obedience So israel thought they were grabbing on because they would obey the law but it didn't seem to give life for them Paul said that in the New Testament that the reason for that is because obedience to the law doesn't save anyone. The thing that saves us is the love of Christ. In verses 15 and 16 of Deuteronomy 30, it says, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today, what does he say first? Obey the law? No. I command you today, love the Lord your God. In other words, Look to him. Love the Lord, Yahweh. Look to him as the only way that you'll be saved, your complete satisfaction, your love, your first love, the one that will rescue you. Love the Lord your God, then walk in obedience to him and keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Right? Friends, in scripture, the life that we receive from God is always the result of of the love that God gives to us without condition and without merits. We don't merit his love. We don't earn his love. We don't increase his love for us by being better. Obedience to God always should follow our love for God. Because you know what happens when it doesn't, when we we obey God not out of love, you know what that is? That's religion. We just do it because we have to, not because we love him. Friends, scripture always says that obedience for it to please God is to be the product of a mutual love exchange that you have for him. And that is always given to us by grace through faith. We do not deserve for the Lord of heaven and earth to be in a covenantal relationship of love with us we do not deserve God to be our bridegroom, right? You know, just a few b- verses back in Deuteronomy 30, you know what it says? Listen to these words. The Lord your God, this is what he will do. He will circumcise your heart. Yuck, right? This is getting ugly. He is going to rip your heart to shreds, right? Because our hearts love everything but him. So this is what the Lord is going to do. Not you. you. We don't circumcise our hearts. The Lord, your God, he will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you might love him. So you know what this tells me? Naturally, in our flesh, in our fallen condition and sin, our hearts will not love him. They won't. So we will not ever obey the Lord or follow him or his precepts out of love. You see, the Lord is the one that circumcises our hearts and the hearts of our descendants so that we might love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and live. You see, because the, the Bible so often says that the heart is deceitful and wicked, Jeremiah 17. And we say, oh, you know, that's kind of harsh language. I don't like that. But, but isn't it true? Don't we deceive ourselves so often? Aren't we so selfish? Our motivations can be so perverted and off. I mean, no one's going to deny this. We don't like it, but it's true. So we have hearts that prevent us from loving God. And it takes God's supernatural power, his unmerited grace to transform it so that we might love him. You know what that means? It means something very simple. simple. The love of God that we find in our hearts is his gift and we can't even boast about our love for him. Isn't that great? We're, we don't love God because we're smarter or we figured it out, Right? We love him because he softened our hearts. He circumcised them. He turned them. He transformed us. He made us alive. To love God, to love Jesus, what does that mean? How do you know when you lo- really love something and it's not you, you know, you're not just infatuated with it? It's to prefer him. To love God and to love Jesus is to prefer him. It's to want to be with him. It's to obey him, to follow him. It's life. And every other way is death. So would you follow Christ this morning? Would you really follow him? Not because you're trying to earn his favor. You already have that. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus by grace through faith. You already have his favor. But would you walk with him? Would you choose his will over your own? To love God, to love Jesus, to prefer him and follow him, it's life and every other way is death. So we have to ask this question. Do, you, do we love him? Do we love him more than ourselves? Do we love him more than our car? Do we, do we love him more than our tea time? I don't golf, so that was a diss to whoever plays golf. <laughs> do you love him more than your rights? More than your Pleasures? more than your performance? Do you love him more than your loneliness? Sometimes we're lonely and we'll do anything to get out of loneliness, even if it's sin. Do you love him more than these things? I remember when we were studying um, the Song of Solomon together, and it was such a beautiful study, but there was this this statement that I I loved um, where it says, He is the one whom my heart loves. Who is the one that your heart loves? Oh, that you would love him with your heart, with your whole heart, and finally live. The third is a hard truth about life. It's not universal. Life is not guaranteed. Not everybody finds it. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will be destroyed. You will not live long in the land that you are crossing to the Jordan to enter and possess. Oh, when we bow the knee to any other God but Yahweh. It is misery. And at one one point, it will end us eventually. Life is not guaranteed to every son and daughter of of Adam. Many will die and will remain in the grave, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He said, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many go that way. But small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life, and few find it. Oh, this is sad and sorry news because it is so needless. The gate is there, that's why it's needless. It's right in front of you. Oh, it's small. It's narrow. It's not as populated. It looks more like the Corona path because everyone's sort of sparse. You know, where is everybody? You know, the wide gate, it's so, so much prettier. It's so much better. There's so much, a lot of people on that one. It's so needless because that gate's right there for us. That gate is Christ. He stands there willing to open it to you. And so many, rather than choosing Christ, choose that wide gate and fall into an eternal grave because, oh, it's such a nice gate. It's so pretty. It's made of gold. It's wide. It's big. I don't have to turn sideways to get through. And it tricks us. That wide gate, I think, speaks to our human needs. So we pass through the wide gate, the fake God of People approval, of romance, of competence. Oh, that's a nice wide gate, isn't it? Look how smart Uh, I'm going to pursue my own intelligence. And we bow down to these functional gods instead of choosing life, choosing Christ. They draw us away from the word that is near us, that is right here for us to grab hold of. Because we believe a lie that man's applause is better than God's, that our accomplishments are better than Christ's. Oh, but it's a dead end. That wide gate will destroy you and me. It says you will not live long. That's another trick, by the way, because you will not live long. So you live for a little while. It works a little bit, doesn't it? We get a kick by it. That's why we keep going back to it. It's, a, it's another deception. Because our functional gods give us a bit of purpose, an ounce of life. Oh, but how short it lasts. It's like what an hour is to a year. When all the love that we have for this world and everything that's in it, the lust of our hearts and eyes, the pride of our short lives, when that road leads us to its end, we don't find completion of life, but a ruined one. But, but, verse 19, this day, today, this moment, choose life. Choose it now. What are you waiting for? Choose life now, friend. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you and me because the word is near. We're hearing it this moment. So we have a witness from God, heaven and earth. He knows that we're all here in this right now. And we are without excuse. So what do we do? I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Choose life. Choose me. Choose the love of Yahweh. Choose him. So that you and your children might live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh friends, choose life and the giver of life will give you heaven and earth. He will give you everything that your heart has ever desired or wanted. But he'll just give you that in him and not in his creation, not in his stuff. The free gift of God is life. That's the blessing. But the wages of sin is death. That's the curse. Final separation from God. Choose life over death. That curse And that blessing for all of us is set before us. What will we do? Oh, friends, I hope that we'll choose life. That we'll love him and listen to his voice and obey him and hold fast to him. Because he's our life, our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. That's the curse, Deuteronomy 30 but have everlasting life. That's the blessing. Choose life. For when Christ, who is your life, appears. It says this in Colossians. You remember this? For when Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll appear too. Oh, I love that. We think sometimes, you know, like, very much like, um, you know, the, the second coming of Christ, he's coming, and we'll appear with him. And I think that has something to do with what Paul's saying in Colossians. But I think also what he's saying is that when we finally know who Christ is, we know who we are. When he appears, we appear. Oh, I'm not just made to make babies or to get married or to, you know, all these things that we go after. So it would have been better for me to follow Jesus that to do all that my heart desired throughout my life, to submit to his will, because in him is everything that I've been looking for. Right? When Christ appears, you appear. To know Jesus is to live, it's to find you. I hope that this morning you choose the narrow gate. And you know, Christian friend, you say, I know this already, you know. You got to choose that narrow gate every day, every day of your life. Now, I believe personally that the Bible teaches that once we're in Christ, we're never out of Christ. We're saved by grace through faith, and he keeps us. But we have a choice to make every single day to live in that life or to not. Oh, friend, choose the narrow gate. Every day, choose the narrow gate. Will you choose life? The only gate? Oh, you might have to squeeze through it, but once you're through, you get Jesus. It might be hard to walk down. It comes with some, you know, holes and rocks and challenges and briars, but Jesus is there. You know, Jesus can take care of briars and rocks and holes. Oh, friends, follow Jesus. Choose life. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's what Jesus said. Whoever lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus said, do you trust me? Will you grab on? And follow me. Oh, friends, Christian friends, have you found yourself in needless despair, ruts of endless confusion and frustration? Might I ask you to do something simple this morning? Again, choose the narrow gate. Choose life. It's not beyond and never has been beyond your reach. Choose life so that you may live. The one who is life, Jesus, you know what he chose? the cross. He chose death so that we would be able to choose life. I hope that you will this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you hold out life to us. That it's right there, plainly in front of our sight. We can't deny that we didn't know, or we can't claim that we didn't know. That the message was too lofty or Difficult or unknown or confusing. The message is Christ. Christ our Lord and Savior. God, I pray, Lord, that you truly will be our Lord and Savior, and that nothing else will be. And that we would not prefer anything over you. That we would choose the narrow gate. God, I can't have a whole lot of things together gate in your hand. Sometimes you call us to put some things down because we're worshiping them. As long as they're in our hands, we're not going to fit through. I pray, God, that we would trust you enough to obey you and to satisfy the longings of our heart. God, we thank you this morning for your church and for your people. God, would you Fill them with your spirit. Give them your love. Circumcise our hearts so that we might love you and follow you and obey you and hold fast to you. And God, I pray for those who don't know you yet that they would this moment see the message of Christ plainly before their eyes. That he was um, crucified, buried, and risen for sinners like you and me. That if we simply grasp onto him and hold fast, trust him for life, that, he'll, that you'll give it, God. Oh, would you turn from your sin, friend, and trust him? Would you abandon the wide gate and choose Christ? God, we thank you so much, Lord, for life. We thank you that you've given it to us freely and that if we've ever forgotten it as Christians, you don't fault us. You don't withhold us from another chance. You say, turn to you again, confess your sin, and I will forgive you. God, we thank you for the path of life. It's what you make known to us. I pray, God, that we would walk in it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.